Hello and welcome to the Spaceport America podcast with me, Alice Carruth, the Public Relations Coordinator for the New Mexico Spaceport Authority. And today I'm joined by Loretta Hall, a Malbuquerque-based writer who specializes in space novels in New Mexico. Hi, Loretta. Hi. Good to talk with you, Alice. And you. Now, we were just talking off before about your book, Michelle, Miguel and Michelle Visit Spaceport America, which we did a recording of for uh, World Book Day. Can you tell me a little bit about what drew you to doing a book about Spaceport America? Well, there were two things. Um, one was very directly that the uh, publisher who had published uh, some of my other space books had uh, told me that librarians were looking for a children's book about Spaceport America, and so that was, was a nudge to, to do it. But my, my main reason was to... Um, let children, in, especially in New Mexico, but uh, also to let their parents know about what uh, Spaceport is, America is all about and what's been going on there since 2006. So many people seem to not realize that there's anything to Spaceport America other than Virgin Galactic. And I, I felt like that was something that people needed to know more about. Absolutely. And that book is available from all normal retailers. Am I right? That's correct. So I do uh, recommend everybody, if you're looking for a children's book, that explains what a spaceport is and what it is they can experience when they come out to Spaceport America. It's called Miguel and Michelle Visit Spaceport America. Now, I must say, Loretta, you're a bit of an expert when it comes to space in New Mexico. Your book, Out of This World, New Mexico's Contributions to Space, really covers everything about why Spaceport America is here, because it's all about our history. Can you tell me a little bit about what drew you to space history in New Mexico? Well, I'm a transplant to New Mexico, but I've lived here for oh, a little over 40 years, I think. Um, so in all of that time, I, I thought I knew a fair amount about New Mexico and uh, and its history. And I had been... Um, interested in space exploration uh, back in the 1950s and 60s um, as a young person. And that interest had dropped off a little bit as my life went on. But around uh, in the early 2000s, I began to hear that um, the world's first purpose-built commercial spaceport was going to be built in New Mexico. And that really caught my attention because I didn't, at first I didn't understand why they would pick New Mexico for that kind of facility. And so I started looking for a book that I could read about the history of space programs in New Mexico, and I couldn't find one. And so in my typical way, I got stubborn and I just started doing my own searching to satisfy my curiosity, and I was just amazed at what I found about the importance of the work that was done here from 1930 on up to the current day. And again, I felt like this is something more people ought to be aware of, uh, especially here in New Mexico, but other places as well, that that history is not very well known. And so I wrote the book. 
Yeah, I absolutely appreciate that. It's one of the things I keep pushing for is that we should be owning the fact that we are the home to the US space program. This is where it really started here at White Sands Missile Range. And it's continued on, like you say, since the 1930s with Robert Goddard. What's your favorite particular part of New Mexico's space history, Loretta? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> There's so many to choose from. Um, I think one of the things that really fascinates me is the work on human factors that was done in, at Holloman Air Force Base in the 1950s and 60s. Uh, the work of Dr. John Paul Stapp and uh, David Simons and Joe Kittinger, um, trying to um, answer the question of whether the human body could withstand traveling into space, being launched on a rocket and being weightless and returning uh, through the atmosphere. And um, I just think the work they did was absolutely amazing. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. Isn't that what led to Ham going up? And for people who don't know who Ham is, that's the first chimpanzee that was sent to space from White Sands Missile Age in, in New Mexico. Well, he, he was trained um, at Holloman Air Force Base. The launch actually occurred at Cape Canaveral. Yes. But, um, but his remains are now here. He's buried at, um, at the um, New Mexico Museum of Space History in Alamogordo. Yes. Yes, my kids love that. When we go over there, they love going to see Ham's uh, grave outside the front. Now, another book you've just recently released is called Higher, Faster, Longer, My Life in Aviation and My Quest for Space Flight. And that's all about New Mexico-born aviator Wally Funk, who is also a future astronaut with Virgin Galactic. Could you tell me a little bit about Wally Funk and the Mercury 13 crew? Well, Wally is just an amazing person. <laughs> um it's she she is a role model for positivity and perseverance she has been trying to get into space since 1960 and she has never given up she has hit one roadblock after another um but she, whenever she hits a roadblock, she sort of shakes it off and says, okay, I'll find another way to do it. And um, that, that kind of positivity and persistence, I think, is something that, uh, that I admire a great deal in her. Um, but, in the, you know, she had that grand vision for her life, but it, in, even though she pursued it doggedly, she it didn't prevent her from having an amazing and successful life um in a career in aviation and she became um a a barrier breaking uh woman um uh, in the field of aviation absolutely could you tell us a little bit about the mercury 13 crew what it was and why it was set up and why it never really took off literally <laughs> right well it's um, back in the in nine, the nineteen fit late nineteen fifties nineteen fifty nine, um, the uh, NASA was uh, trying to select its first group of human astronauts, and as part of that selection process, thirty two men were sent to have uh, physical examinations, 
and those were done at the Loveless Clinic here in Albuquerque. And there, there were a number of reasons for, for having them at that location. And uh, Dr. Randy Loveless um, oversaw that program, and he, he said that it was probably the most uh, complete and invasive physical exam ever given to a human being. So it was very rigorous uh, for the men. <clears throat> it lasted seven and a half days straight with um, each day lasting 11 hours at least. Three days went longer than that. So at the end of that time, um, the candidates went on to some additional testing in Ohio, and Dr. Loveless began wondering um, whether women might also make um, reasonable candidates to be astronauts. All of the original, all of NASA's candidates were men for a variety of reasons, but, um, but Dr. Loveless was thinking that women generally tend to be smaller than men, so that that was important because the space capsule was, that they were developing was very uh, confining. It was very small. And that women uh, tended to um, eat less food than men did and breathe less oxygen than men did, and so that would be a weight savings of, you know, for the, the rocket launch in terms of the materials that had to be launched. And there were some other um, factors that, that made him think that women might be very good candidates. And so he happened to meet a young lady named Jerry Cobb, um, and she was a... Um, record-holding civilian pilot and was talking to her about this, and she said, well, I would be glad to take the same physical exams that the men did. And so he brought her to the Loveless Clinic and gave her the same tests, and she scored exceedingly well, better than some of the, many of the men. So uh, that got him thinking that, well, I'd like to learn more about this. So he, with the help of Jerry Cobb and uh, Jackie Cochran, another famous female aviator, uh, they put together a list of um, highly accomplished women pilots who were all civilian pilots at that time. And uh, ultimately, another... 18 women came to the Loveless Clinic to take exactly those same tests, and one of the doctors that helped perform those tests said that they were told not to go easy on the women, to make give the test just the same way they did for the men. And so of those, um, a total of 13 women, including Jerry Cobb, actually passed with no physical reservations. And... Um, they um, ultimately became known as the Mercury 13 as a counterpart to the, the Mercury 7, who were NASA's first astronauts. Um, NASA did not accept women as candidates at that time, and so they none of them actually ever became astronauts. But three of them continued on um, to take additional testing, which was not authorized by NASA, but which they were able to arrange. And throughout all the testing, uh, the women performed very well. 
And Wally was the youngest of that group of 13. She was had just barely turned 22 when she took the test in um, February of 1961. And Wally grew up in Taos, New Mexico, so she's a, a local um, woman herself, is that correct? That's right, and she is very proud of the fact that she <laughs> is a native New Mexican. Uh, she, she, she really believes that growing up in Taos... Um, gave her a very strong start in life. Uh, the, the climate, um, certainly her own uh, mother and father, and also her interactions with the Native American community up there. She, had, she was friends with, with a, a lot of the um, Native Pueblo boys, and um, she was kind of a tomboy, as she says. Um, and, yeah, so she, she really uh, is grateful that she had that background. So obviously you've spent a lot of time with her recently when you pulled together this biography of, of Wally's life. Have you spoken to her about her future space flight from Spaceport America on board Virgin Galactic's spaceship? Well, yes, she's very much looking forward to that. And, of course, she's, um, she wishes it would have already happened. But um, she's, she knows that, that progress is being made and she is still hopeful that uh, she will get her chance to fly. As we all are, we're hoping to see Wally finally fulfill her dream. Now, you've obviously been to Spaceport America, I'm assuming, having read the book, Miguel and Michelle Visit Spaceport America. What are your thoughts about our spaceport in New Mexico? Oh, I think it's fabulous. Um, it, I, I have not been there recently, um, so I'm, I'm not sure exactly what the visitor experience might be right now. But uh, when, when I was able to take uh, tours, I, I was really impressed with the um, exhibits that were available there. Uh, the architecture is, is absolutely stunning. The, um, it's, it's just a, um, it's an amazing place to just, experience being there um, and and then the the idea of what is happening there and what will be happening there is just so powerful absolutely we couldn't agree more now you are a certified space ambassador by the national space society what does that entail well the space ambassadors program is designed to um, have space uh, enthusiasts uh, give talks to other groups of people to help promote interest in and enthusiasm and support for um, human space exploration and eventually space settlement in um, whether it be in Earth orbit or uh, on other locations like the moon or Mars or wherever. So um, that's part of what I do is is uh, give talks on various aspects of human space exploration. And what do you think your hopes are? What is your hopes really for the future of, of commercial aerospace, particularly in New Mexico? Well, I, I think um, it's it's a, a tremendous boost for the local for the state economy. And it's, it's really, um, you know, we are fully participating and in some ways leading the way in a 
an economic um, industry that is is going to be very important um, nationally and internationally, and the, as it, it's already beginning to be. Um, I'm just very, very proud of New Mexico for having the foresight to uh, get involved in that, it, very, really at the very beginnings of the development of commercial uh, space companies. Absolutely. You know, when people talk to me about Spaceport America, they assume that the conversation started with the Virgin Galactic. And when I explain that actually there were people that were exploring the idea of a commercial spaceport in New Mexico back in the 1990s, way before Virgin uh, took over Burt Rattan's, um Ansari Prize. And they're really surprised. And I guess that goes back to that space history, not people not knowing how much has happened here in the state. If you could talk to anybody listening now, what is it you'd like them to know about New Mexico being positioned for commercial aerospace? Oh, my goodness. Um, we, have, um, we have been building knowledge and um, the capability of studying and ex- um, experimenting with space concepts uh, since since 1930 and we have a very robust uh, active community that uh, I like to say that New Mexico has the longest the record of continuous space research of any state in the country the only state who even could compete with that was Massachusetts, which is where Robert Goddard started his research, but they essentially kicked him out in 1930 when he came to New Mexico, and the research in how to get to space and explore space has been going on here ever since, nonstop. This is just an amazing place for space. And I think one of the difficulties uh, that maybe keeps many uh, New Mexicans unaware of that is that most of it, especially in the early days, took place in the southern part of the state. And we are such a large state geographically. And in, in those days, communication wasn't anywhere near what it is now. And many people in the northern part of the state just don't realize what's what's been going on here. So what would you recommend for people that want to learn more about space in New Mexico and about how they can get involved in the aerospace industry? Well, at the risk of sounding egotistical, read my books. My out-of-this-world book really, um, in, in a very readable fashion, I think, explains explains the major aspects of, of that, that history. And then the other thing is, is to visit um, various space-related sites around the state. There is um, a list that um, the staff down at the New Mexico Museum of Space History has put together, and it's, it's the New Mexico Space Trail. And it's, oh, I can't remember now how many sites there are on it. I think it's over 50 um, locations around the state, including the northern part and the middle and the south, that 
um, you can go and visit and see what's been going on and what is going on now. It's really um, fascinating. Absolutely. If you can get those off the website as well, it's um, nmspacetrail.com or .org, I believe. Um, we actually host the world's largest rocket contest at Spaceport America, um, the Spaceport America Cup, and we have about 1,500 students that normally fly in from all over the globe. But we really want to get more students from New Mexico involved in aerospace and rocketry. What would you suggest for students that are really starting to think about getting involved in this industry? How would you encourage them to look into getting involved? Um, well, I think it's, a, it's not only a lot of fun and exciting to work on, but it's also a very promising career path to get involved with or to get, get introduced to. So... Um, there are, um, I, I think, contacting some of those um, places that they would find on the space trail. Certainly uh, the, the museum there in Alamogordo, the uh, museum here in Albuquerque, the uh, Natural History Museum also has um, been very active in, in um, space-related work uh, because one of its um, experts on staff, uh, Dr. Larry Crumpler, was on the team that operated um, the Spirit and Opportunity rovers that explored, well, Opportunity explored Mars for 13 years, I think it was. And he's now working on the um, Curiosity rover program. So um, there are all sorts of exciting resources available here throughout the state. Uh, there is some work being done up at Los Alamos with um, robotic telescopes. Um, there's, there's just there are opportunities all over the state. So just um, trying to search those out. Uh, everyone that I've talked to in the the space industry is very interested in helping young people get involved. Um, so just search it out and and. Go for it. Yep, you're in a good position in this state. Loretta, would you like to tell everybody your six books that you have written and um, where people can get hold of them? Well, um, you've done a nice job of telling them about uh, Miguel and Michelle visit Spaceport America and about Out of This World, New Mexico's Contributions to Space Travel and about Wally's book, Higher, Faster, Longer, My Life in Aviation and My Quest for Space Flight. Um, I've also written one called The Complete Space Buffs Bucket List, 100 Space Things to Do Before You Die. And that, that is aimed not only at New Mexico readers, but uh, readers around the country. And there are several um, things in New Mexico to do on that, that list. Um, and then, uh, let's see... The other one. <laughs> there are five space books. So one, two. What's the other one? Oh, the other one is um, Space Pioneers of New Mexico. Uh, excuse me, Space Pioneers in Their Own Words, and that is um, annotated excerpts from oral history interviews that were conducted by the staff at the New Mexico Museum of Space History, and um, it gives behind the scenes. 
um, stories about people who worked on various aspects of space programs uh, from 1945 up through the space shuttle era. And um, there are um, 90 uh, people reflected in that book. Um, Six or seven of them are actually women, which is always encouraging. Um, so they are um, they're available at the major online bookstores. They are also available. Any bookstore um, can order copies for you through their normal channels. Um, That's fantastic. Thank you so much for your time, Loretta, and I really appreciate how much passion you have for the aerospace industry in New Mexico and for sharing your story about the books and how you found it. Thank you so much for joining us on the Spaceport America podcast. Thank you for having me. It's been fun talking with you. Proudly produced by LasCrucesToday.com and Bravo Mike Communications.